0: Surrender, lay down
1: River Church Online, and everyone here at the Norris. So good to see you all. If you want to stand with us, we are going to just jump into worship. And if you look to the left and to the right, we have TV monitors for lyrics. Woo! We'll be getting them bigger and bigger, so they might be hard to see today, but we're, we're in a working progress. Kathy and the kids are with us this morning. It's an all all-family, all-service, all the things this morning. the power
0: of sin
2: E aqui
3: line welcome we're so glad you're with us and watching and i am especially excited about these beautiful river kids who are here on the carpet in fact you know they can't see you online kids but could you just yell so loud that everyone at home on their couches and in their pajamas can hear that you hear i want you to on three god is good okay one two three Yeah, baby, that's great, that's awesome. We are so glad you're here. You are such an important part of the River family. Each one of you welcome, whether this is your hundredth time here, this is like home, this is family, or whether this is your very first time, we're glad you're here. So excited uh, that you're worshiping with us. Hey, you know what? I've heard James' sermon on the beach already. And it is so, so good. So I, I'm excited to hear it a second time for you to hear it, and uh, it's it's going to be great. I have my brown notebook. Do you have your brown notebook? I've been filling it up with stuff and trying to apply our uh, our quick tip, our buoy swim, or our peer to peer. And if you don't have a notebook, uh, they're on the table over there. Just anytime, get up grab a notebook, we want you to have it by kids, have a great morning inside, we're in the beautiful out of doors, and if you were here with us last week, we had a wonderful National Geographic moment, when a hawk flew overhead and landed on that hill and got himself a squirrel, and then flew off with it, dropped it on the grass, and Vicki, amazing testimony, but we were captured by the hawk capturing the squirrel. So keep your eye open for hawks this morning. So I've been filling my brown notebook and last week, what a beautiful message on prayer. And so I wrote down a particular application for me that I've been working on this week as a follower of Jesus, his words and his ways. And I'm using technology. I have have an Apple watch, I have an iPhone, I'm a MacBook Pro, and I I use the Reminders app, and I put in the Reminders app a reminder that goes off every day. And uh, my reminder that goes off at 8 o'clock every single morning, it says this, and I've combined prayer with Scripture. Even in this stormy place, I will trust that your love will hold. And that comes from Hebrews Uh, 6 19 and 20 that we have an anchor of the soul and this week rather than just read it quickly at eight o'clock in the morning I've turned it into an extended prayer of thanking God that in the stormy place that I'm in I know his anchor will hold and we want to keep growing as disciples and followers of Jesus so we're so glad you're here and I want to bring my friend James up here. Now you may not recognize him when he first uh, comes trotting up here. He looks younger. He looks more well, well kept. He looks uh, fashionably qua um, co- co- Is it quaffed? Do you say that? From a distance, James, I'm going to pray for you, my brother. God. I thank you for my dear brother, James. I thank you for uh, the wisdom you've given him and just the practical way that we can understand God's word, our focus for today. Bless him and speak through him. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Oh, Bill, thank you so much. And Amanda and worship team. Thank you all so much. It is good to be with you. It is it is amazing um, to be, like where we do church, I don't know, when things open up, I kind of like it out here. I'm going to maybe put a vote in for that. Like you go to the beach and there's whales and dolphins and waves and you come here and it's like hawks. I mean, this is a whole deal. So thanks for mentioning the hair bill, by the way. It's a big, uh, big milestone in my life. Um, My hair was beginning to grow into a natural mullet. It's as if the Lord himself said, if you want to go along, it's going to be business up front, party in the back. My wife loves me. Not a big fan of the hair. And uh, so here I am, clean cut and with you. And so, well, thank you. Was someone starting a clap there? Was there a clap starting for that? Thank you. Folks at home are cheering and crying. Let's close in prayer and just go home. This is all we needed well, we are like really wading into the epicenter of what I think this church really has always desired to be about, and it's kind of exciting and brings, I don't know, what do you think, Denise Todd Bill team some tears just to see us as a community going further and further after the heart of Jesus. We're we're in this focus. It's not a series, it's just a big fat focus. We're calling the art of following Jesus. A lot of words are used for that, like discipleship, apprenticeship, following Jesus. That's what we're here to do. And so our, our sermon focus uh, is basically, we're, think, we're, think like we're in a giant museum, and we're about to walk into the Jesus wing, where there's going to be a bunch of portraits of Jesus in different places and interacting with different folks displayed in different ways. And all I'm going to try to do is be like a docent that's going to stand in front of the portrait and say, now, now notice this. Now notice what's done here with the shading. Now notice the interaction and dynamic going on in this portrait. And that's kind of what we're doing every week, both here on Sunday in the sermon, but also on the podcasts, and if you have not listened to them yet, they are really amazing. Uh, they're on our website, It's the splash page. You go to our f- riversouthbay.org, and you'll see a click f- a click for them. Is that what you say, you millennials? Um, I'm a millennial. You click it, and you will go to our podcast. You'll see all these great, great uh, conversations. And this week, Denise ho- uh, was hosted by Bill. And it was on the word of God. And it was so good, Denise. And you can also listen to them at like time and a half. And Denise, you sound amazing at 1.5 speed, by the way. Just something to think about. Um, So they're there for you to continue the journey. So all that to be said today, we're going to be looking at the life, the words and ways of Jesus of Nazareth. We're going to be captivated by the same figure That has captivated our ancestors in the faith for millennia, for millennia. So the episode we're going to look at uh, in particular, uh, I want to set up with just a quick question for all of you to think about. And that is this, where do you, where do you go in a very difficult situation? Like where do you default to in a really hard spot? okay? Emotionally, physically, intellectually, relationally, like what do you do when the crisis moment hits? What are sort of your default factory settings that you move to? Okay, what is that? One of the coolest stories in my in my sort of adult life, I remember uh, hearing about, I remember where I was when I heard about it. Uh, it was on January 15th, 2009. And Many of you might remember this, seeing it or seeing a movie about it. But U.S. Airways Flight 1549, piloted by um, Chelsea Sullenberger, A.K.A. Sully, takes off out of New York. Immediately is hit by hits a flock of Canadian geese of all things. Canadian geese takes out both of the engines, and the plane is at this point completely crippled, and it's got no propulsion. It is just going down, and this guy, Sully, the pilot, immediately radios back to the towers, tells them we're in a serious problem here. We need to find alternate landing immediately, and they find a spot in New Jersey, and the last words he says before this incredible moment, he says, we can't do it. We're going to be in the Hudson, and you remember seeing it, you re- there was a webcam, you could actually see it happen, you've, you've heard the stories, Sully lands this plane in the Hudson River, saving the lives of 153 people, including himself. This amazing moment, like talk about crisis, and when you hear the conversation between him and the tower, you see exactly where Sully kind of went in that moment. I would be fetal position like, hallelujah, Lord, take me. Here I am, right? Like confess my last sins, whatever I got to do. There is nothing I could do right now. Sully goes straight to a place that, that allows him to land that plane. And where was it? Here's where he went. He went to the place that he had soaked in for 20,000 hours, in the air flying planes running simulations his training he went right back to what he was trained to do It's sort of his fallback was the training and it was a brilliant moment it wasn't a moment of inspiration like all of a sudden everything came down to this for sully and his charismatic personality won the day and like a disney movie right the score swells and he says give me the wheel, I'm gonna land this plane. He doesn't go to sort of a, a moment of, of just inspiration. It wasn't an accident. It was the fact that Sully had for 20,000 hours every week. He dreams about flying. It's just part of his reality. And so when it happened, when the crisis hit, he was ready to go. When you think about where you go in those really hard moments, We're going to look at an episode. Today, I'm going to usher you into the Jesus wing of the museum of the New Testament we call the Gospels, these biographies of Jesus' life. We're going to go to Matthew, and uh, Matthew chapter 4. And if you want to follow along with us, you can uh, in your Bibles or on the app. You can also, though, listen and hear the way your ancient ancestors in the faith first encountered this story was through most of them orally, through hearing it, not reading it. And so let's turn there real quickly. We're about to look at a painting of Jesus, a portrait of Jesus, when he is, he's weak, he's tired, he's hungry, he's looking down the road at an exhausting, though exciting, though in many ways heartbreaking, and profoundly important traveling ministry. The episode we're going to look at today, the portrait we're going to behold is Jesus right after he is baptized by John the baptizer. Comes out of the water. The Holy Spirit, you know, the Father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And immediately he's led out to this place, the wilderness. And he's in the wilderness and he is fasting. And it's this miraculous fast, 40 days and 40 nights. So he's tired. He's hungry. He's hungry. He knows where he's going, even if no one else really understands yet his path. And it's in this moment we find him. And it goes from a, a hard, difficult situation into a full-on crisis. And let's read about that. So turn to Matthew 4 or listen in. And I'm reading from the New International Version translation of the Greek. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the diabolos. The devil is translated different ways here. Uh, it means basically the slanderer. It's this cosmic enemy. I'm talking evil as evil can get dark as dark can get. Jesus is about to face it. If I told you today, you're going to have an encounter with pure evil today. And that pure evil is actually going to be focused coming after you. Like I'm like, I'm getting out of this church. That's freaky. Get me out of here, first of all. And secondly, I'm like, what? I'm not ready for that. I don't want that. And here Jesus is, the focus of this pure evil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter, second title called, uh, the enemy is called, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now let's watch where Jesus defaults to. Where does he go in crisis? What is his factory settings? What is his fallback plan? What are the instincts that he's cultivated and that are gonna now lead him in this really dark moment? Jesus answers. And the Greek term translates, translates it, gegraptai. Gagrapti. It's this fun, um, perfect verb, which means it is written. We don't know, I mean, I don't know what the Aramaic is Jesus used, but this is his response. It is written. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He quotes the Deuteronomy scroll. He quotes Deuteronomy in response to this test. And then the devil took him to the holy city, that is Jerusalem, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. So whether this is a visionary journey, we don't know. Matthew doesn't tell us. We just know this is the scenario Jesus is presented with. And he says, if you are the son of God... Throw yourself down, and then the enemy kind of plays this game. For it is written. He's like, okay, you want to use scripture, Jesus? I'll use some scripture. It is written. And the enemy quotes Psalm 91. They will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up with their hands, that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus then answers him. It is also written. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Right back to Deuteronomy. Now what we would call chapter 6 third temptation. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of all the world, and this is an important addition to this sentence, and their doxa, their glory. So in an ancient Mediterranean context where honor and shame is all in all, where honor is the greatest thing you could ever dream of, the enemy says to Jesus, We can circumvent this whole suffering thing. Let's circumvent the betrayal. You're not going to have to go through all the rejections, the pain, the anguish, the tears, the loneliness, the sorrow, the shame. We'll cut all of it out now, and I will give you everything, all the glory you could imagine. And Jesus is weak, and Jesus is tired, and Jesus is in the face of this cosmic enemy. And what does he say? Jesus says to him, away from me, Satan, for gegraptai, whatever the Aramaic equivalent was, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, same place we get the Shema, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. I just quoted that so you think I'm smart. Cool then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Like how, how would you expect? It's so interesting. How would you expect Jesus to handle this total crisis moment? I mean, I could see it playing out so many different ways. Like if I was Jesus, you're thinking the enemy shows up and I'd be like, all right, let's do this. Like Lord of the Rings battle style. Let's just assemble a full army and deploy them against you the devil and your minions right like this angelic fight how sweet would that have been or jesus could have uh utilized all the rhetorical tools available in human and i guess you know spiritual communication and just out debated him with sophistry and like really incredible rhetoric jesus could have told him a riddle okay devil i'll agree to it if you answer me this one riddle Instead, what does he do? He goes to the simplest place that was available for anyone in the house of Israel. He goes to the sacred traditions of the house of Israel. This sacred compilation of ancient Near Eastern texts we call the Old Testament. And Jesus refers to as just the scriptures that was his default position. That's kind of where he went. And as we're going to see in a minute, part of the reason he goes there is because he is just saturated with it. He's been soaking in it his whole life. And so when you sort of ring out the life of Jesus, it drips scripture, right? If you hold the life of Jesus up to the light, it glistens and glimmers scripture, right? This is this is something we're going to see about Jesus. But his core strength was in that scripture. It's really amazing. Like if you, how many of y'all like to work out? Any workout people out there? Anybody like to work out? I mean, it's not a brag. You just like to work out. Okay, that's right. Working out. Remember gyms? Remember those things? Gyms, short for gymnasium. Yeah, they were amazing. you go inside and smell sweat and like, see people staring at themselves in the mirror while they flex. like It's an amazing place. I used to love going to the gym. I'd go to a 24-hour fitness, see Debbie in there sometimes, right, Debbie? Just working it. We're just getting buff. And I loved it. I love to kind of work on the show muscles. I really do very little that's practical. I I would just, and for a season in my life about a year and a half ago, I was doing pretty good. I think I was getting kind of buff. Bray, where are you at? Where's my wife at? I don't know. She's here somewhere. She's okay. Affirm me, honey. Was I looking good? All right. You saw that nod. It's on camera folks at home. Okay. So I feel like I was doing good. And so I'm feeling strong and really good. And then she, she goes, Hey, we have a date day coming up. Would you do Pilates with me? And I'm like, Pilates. That sounds okay. Fine. Sure. Let's do it. Let's do some Pilates. And so I go to her Pilates studio. It's called Pilates. How hard could it be? It's Pilates, okay? And I get in the Pilates. I'm the only guy in there, and then there's all these just, you know, ladies. So I'm like, okay, the sexism part of me is like, cool. I'm a man. I got this. I'm not a sexist. And we start. And for me, it started as a slow whimper. You could hardly notice it unless you were really listening. Just some moans here and there from my side of the Pilates studio. Like, ah, make it stop. And then it's like, I'm praying some prayers. I'm praying in tongues. I mean, things are happening spiritually for me. I've never experienced before the pain and anguish I was in. And at some point, I literally, I think it was about halfway through. I just give up all the quorum. I'm like, no. And, and for a week, and I'm not kidding you for a week. Like I couldn't laugh. There was things inside of here. I didn't realize existed parts of my core. See, your core I'm told is like the most important part of your body that you could work out, but it's boring it's monotonous. And if you're like me, there's too much hair down here to really see results. It's like a 1970s sort of Magnum PI style thing. And I co- it's not fun. But your core is kind of what helps you with your posture, with picking things up, moving around, all of it. And, and so I'm working on my core now. Okay. Jesus' core is a, maybe a few things. But one of the pieces of his core was scripture. It's just what he thought with, what he, what he dreamed with, what he went into hard situations with, what he brought in when it came to healings, what he brought in conversation with smart people and people that could probably never read or never be acknowledged. Scripture was like part of his core. And what I would like to do, we've already seen how it shows up in a crisis moment for him. It is the default setting for Jesus in crisis. I want you to kind of see, and this part will definitely be the most boring part of this sermon. So if you need a nap or perhaps some nature watching, now is the time. So if there's a hawk and you want to kill a squirrel, go for it because people need a little distraction. Here's what I did this week. I got out these awesome, awesome little journal thingies. And if you don't have yours, there's some in the back. You can grab one. But I I got out my journal and I said, I'm going to read through all of Matthew. I'm going to do it in like one or two days. And I just want to trace... And make note of every time Jesus mentions or clearly alludes to scripture. I'm just going to do that. It's going to be 28 chapters. Really a little bit less because of the birth narratives. Jesus isn't doing a lot of talking. I'm going to do 28 chapters and just trace this. And so I did. And what I found, I have studied the scriptures for many, many, many years. I'm a professor. I teach New Testament. This is literally kind of what I do for a living it actually kind of surprised and shocked me what I found. Okay, so here's what's going to happen for the next, I don't know how long, maybe five minutes. I'm going to read you my list. It's going to be boring, monotonous, tedious, and it's going to happen, and I have the microphone, and there's nothing you could do about it. So let's just check this out. We already saw in chapter four, his debut of his ministry starts off with this temptation where he falls back into scripture as his safety, as his instinct, And then right after this, Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, right? This great sermon he gives. I couldn't even list all the references of Scripture. There are so many. It smells like Scripture. So much of his teaching in those three chapters are just points from Scripture, elaborated, expounded. It's amazing. Then chapter 8. After a healing of someone who had leprosy, Jesus tells him, hey, go to the priest and fulfill the Torah ritual requirements. And these are requirements you could find in Leviticus 14. 8 verse 11, he talks about a feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus just references it. Isaiah 25, this feast you can read about in the Isaiah scroll. Chapter 9, he's attacked for eating with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus, you eat with dirty people. You eat with stupid people. You eat with people that are shameful and sinful. What's your problem, Jesus of Nazareth? And what is his answer? Hosea six, 6 God desires mercy. Mercy, not sacrifice. Isaiah, prophet, scroll. Chapter 10, he sends out how many disciples? Anyone? It's 72 in Luke and and. In this, it's 12 disciples. 12. Now, why 12? What's up with the 12 number? Anyone? Any thoughts on why 12? Come on now. Who said that? That's what I'm talking about, Dave. 12 tribes of Israel, right? 12 is a weird number. I would say 10, maybe 7. But 12, it's because Jesus sees himself firmly planted in the traditions of the house of Israel, in the work of God that you can read about all through the scripture. He sends out 12 well, let's keep going. Later on that chapter, he quotes the divisions that are going to come about because of his ministry. He's like, my ministry will not just be a peaceful Sunday walk in the park. There's going to be divisions and shakeups in households. And then he quotes Micah 7, 6, chapter 11, 4 through 5. Jesus talks about John the Baptist, or he talks to his disciples, and he says, tell John what I'm doing. And then he lists a bunch of stuff, that his ministry involves, and all of them are like a list of Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. Keep going. Chapter 11, even my notes were bored of this part of it. They're like, I'm out of here. Chapter 11, he references the judgments of Sodom in Genesis 19. Chapter 12, he uses the story of David eating sacred bread out of 1 Samuel 21. Later in that chapter, he talks about Jonah, three days and three nights in the fish. He talks about Solomon later that chapter from 1 Kings 10 talks about in chapter 13 he gets a whole bunch of parables and guess what those parables are he says explicitly fulfilling Isaiah 6: 9 through 10 chapter 15 in a purity dispute with the Pharisees Jesus quotes Exodus 20 Deuteronomy 5 and talks about honoring parents and then he quotes Isaiah 29 chapter 16 again he references Jonah later that chapter references the son of man imagery from Daniel chapter 7 chapter 17. Jesus discusses Elijah and John the Baptist, two characters from the sacred traditions of the house of Israel. 18, he talks about arbitrating grievances with one another and how we do that. He brings in, guess what? Deuteronomy 19. Chapter 19 talks about divorce and marriage. He doesn't just talk about it off the top of his head. He goes to Israel's cosmology, Genesis 1 and 2. He talks about the creation and how God created the two to be one flesh. Chapter 19, 18 to 19, rich man asks about eternal life. How does Jesus answer? Exodus 20 and Leviticus 19. Later on in chapter 20, there's vineyard imagery. That wasn't just because Jesus liked wine or grapes or because there was a lot of vineyards around. If you read through the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, you're going to see God's people are constantly referred to as vineyards. It's one of the common images. I told you this is going to keep going. I'm not stopping, people. 21, a few more chapters left. He quotes Isaiah 56 and Jeremiah 7 when he has this incident in the temple where he cleanses it or critiques it. 21, he he quotes Psalm 8, affirming the messianic praise that was coming from children. Chapter 21, later on, this is the same chapter, by the way. Isaiah 5, vineyard imagery. Psalm 118 is mentioned. Chapter 22, he defends the resurrection against some Sadducees by quoting Exodus 3:6. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Chapter 22, we're still in the same chapter. Deuteronomy 6, Leviticus 19. 22 later, Psalm 110. Chapter 23, finally a new chapter, right? Abel and Zechariah, he mentions them. Later on that chapter, Psalm 118 again. Later on in chapter 24, Daniel 9, 11, and 12. Chapter 24 later on, Isaiah 13. Isaiah 34, Noah, he references from Genesis 6. Ezekiel 37 comes out in Matthew 25. talks about David again. Chapter 26, he quotes Deuteronomy 15, 11. Almost there, people. In chapter 26, 31, gay Grapti, it is written, Zechariah 13, 7. He predicts that his death would be a good shepherd being struck and the sheep would be scattered. Chapter 26, we're still doing this. Is this pastor really going to just read a list, the whole sermon? Yes, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Jesus corrects one of his disciples' violent defenses of him by quoting that the scriptures need to be fulfilled in his life and he needs to be given up. Chapter 26, later on, he answers his charges. His legal defense, people, his legal defense is Daniel 7. His legal defense is Daniel 7. And finally, the last one I'll mention. Matthew 27, 46, the darkest moment in Jesus's life. The moment where he is exposed, he's naked, he's beaten, he's spit on, he's bleeding, he's he's suffocating, his lungs are filling with blood, and he's completely ashamed. That glory that the enemy first promised him, I'll give you all the glory of the world. Instead, Jesus opted in for all the shame, all the brokenness, all the disgusting things that you've done and I've done, all the rebellious, horrific acts of humankind Jesus puts upon himself and how does he process the weight of that darkness and pain where does he go to even come close to expressing his anguish in that moment Eli Eli Lema Sabachthani this is some of the last things to come out of his lungs before he dies my God my God why have you forsaken me he quotes Psalm 22, he processes his darkest, most painful moment with scripture. When you squeeze Jesus, scripture flows out. When you're in a room with Jesus, it smells like the sacred tradition of the house of Israel. It smells like the word of God. It's it's remarkable. So just as a follower of Jesus, as someone that says, I want to be an apprentice to Jesus. And I just want to watch him for a while. You're going to realize very quickly that Jesus is not doing a new thing. It's not like he's, hey, that, that all that Old Testament scripture stuff, that was the old times. Let's do some new fun things. No, he sees himself in the same vein fulfilling these scriptures. He's thinking with these scriptures. He's emoting with these scriptures. And it's not just like a memory verse trivia for him. It's that he's been soaking in them for so long that when you squeeze them, this is what comes out. This is what comes out. Denise said on the podcast, an amazing podcast, um, gives like a number of like reasons why it's amazing to spend time in the word of God. It's so, so I'm not going to, go over that territory again, I think you need to check it out. It's just beautiful. But what I want to say is that is certainly the way Jesus saw things, the way Jesus saw things. Um, and, and I mentioned this at the last service, Bill, and I, I, I'd like to mention it again, and that is, you know, as, as Bill, we've been walking with you and praying with you through this grieving process. Um, you said something to the staff several times, and we've seen it in your life, and that is if I didn't have my time with God in the word and those wee hours of the morning, I probably wouldn't make it. You have been clutching on to the scriptures. It's just been a survival mechanism. And I think about, um, I shared this as well. Like when I think about my own uh, most painful moments of parenting, when, uh, when we lost, Calvin and, and um, our, fo- our foster son of 14 months, and um, we weren't able to say goodbye to him. And my daughter collapsed in the living room, just on the floor convulsing, collapsing, and I'm collapsing. And and I d- I'm like, God, what can I do? What can I say? What can I mobilize? What could possibly be any word of comfort I could bring, and I, I couldn't think of anything. I just grabbed the Bible, and I just opened it to Psalms, and we just, I just started reading Psalms, and crying through Psalms, and, and suddenly you notice, like, there are some Psalms in there that are gnarly, like, they're not, these are not Hallmark cards, right? These are not going to be your Christmas cards, like, Lord, take my enemy out, Lord God, bring justice upon the unjust, Lord, and all of a sudden, you're in this dark moment, and you realize God has given us a place to even process the biggest pains of our life through. And we're just praying through the Psalms. And and so my th- th- what I want to advocate, and I'm going to close with this, I want to get super duper practical. But I just want to advocate for all of us, whatever level you're at, reading scripture is not going to be about like winning church points or getting extra credit in heaven or looking smart This church, if you've been around us at any length of time, we really are not into that, like playing the holier-than-thou game. I hope we're not into that, and you're not going to get far here with that. That's not what we think about reading scripture. It's actually going to be soaking in it, whatever level you're at right now, maybe pushing a little deeper into it. Not out of shame, not because you're doing God a favor, but because you see your Jesus doing it. And even if you don't understand all the benefits of it, you can't logically list them out. You're like, I don't know why it's so important, but I know that my, my Lord, that's kind of his obsession. And so I'm going to share that for a while. And then you start discovering. You start discovering, not right away, maybe. Sometimes it's an acquired taste, honestly. And you start realizing, I'm finding life. I'm finding perspective. The messaging in my head is changing. I'm starting to see things differently. I'm asking questions I've never asked before. I'm looking at my bank account, my marriage, my relationships, my singleness, my job. I'm looking at them differently now. So here are some super practical tips I want to end with. And then Denise is going to come up and lead us in a reflection time around the word of God. Um, But here they are. So I just have like three and one of them has some sub points. But the first one is this. Ring the alarm. Here it is on cue read in... folks at home we have a fire a fire team driving by we are so grateful for them by the way so grateful all right here's the first tip for reading scripture okay first one is this read big chunks read big chunks there, sometimes it's a temptation to be like, I'm just going to go little bitty verse, little bitty verse, little bitty verse. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I love the verse of the day on the Bible app. I feel like sometimes the Holy Spirit uses it just for me. I'm like, okay, that's weird. That's creepy. That's exactly where I'm at. So there's nothing wrong with that. But there's, Scripture is meant to be heard and read as a cohesive piece, as a cohesive story. right? And so you think about your favorite movie your absolute favorite movie, would you show that to someone in little bite-sized scenes? Like each day, we're going to watch two minutes of it. That'd be a, you know, no, sit down, pop some popcorn. Let's bring the lights down. Let's get the surround sound going and let's watch this movie. And let's just check it out, right? That's kind of how scripture is meant to be consumed. And so my encouragement is wherever you're at, just try to say, hey, instead of reading one verse, I'm going to try to read just a chapter. Or I'm going to try to read maybe a whole psalm. So reading in big chunks. What starts to happen when you marinate in larger chunks of Scripture is you start to pick up the larger themes and motifs in it and repetitions. So memory verses are great. Todd is like a genius at memory verse stuff. I mean, this guy, he's like a Wikipedia of memory verses, okay? I can't do that very well. My brain isn't great at that. I'm more conceptual, and I need to hear, like, I could paraphrase stuff a lot. There's a benefit to both. And, and Todd reads in big chunks. It's kind of how he rolls as well. But what happens when you do that, you just catch the larger themes. And so that's my encouragement to you. If you have to choose between little, like five little verses or one chapter, I say go for the full chapter uh, rather than five disparate verses. It just helps you get those themes. Another one um, would be to change up your scripture reading routine. If, if you are, you know, follower of Jesus, you've been reading the Bible one way for a while and you're like, ah, it's kind of getting a little bit like bland and I'm, I'm sort of finding myself hitting a ceiling. Change it up. Like it's okay and actually wonderful, as I've been saying, to hear the scriptures. So maybe you get the Bible app and you just listen to them on your drive. Try listening to Psalms for like a week on your drive to work or whatever you're going to do when you have a little bit of time and it's kind of weird what starts to happen. You're like, Whoa, that's in the Bible. That's interesting. I thought I heard that Psalm already. Oh wait, that's a different one. Similar to it. It's, it's a fun way to change it up. A great resource called streetlights Bible, streetlights Bible. I love this resource. It's basically scripture being read by hip hop artists and kind of spoken word poets. It's just reading of scripture and then there are, like, these DJs make these really great beats behind it. And so it helps. Like you could work out to it. You could run to it. It, it helps you kind of just stay awake. If you're like me, a little ADD, it's nice to have some music to kind of keep you on it. So that's a good thing. Listen to scriptures. Um, find a reading reality that works for you. Like, you just got to get real practical. So for Bill, it's, it's a reminder app that kind of sparks and goes, oh, this is going to help me jump in right now. For you, it might be something totally different. It might be stuff plastered on the mirrors of your house. It might be getting a new tattoo every week with a different Bible passage on it. All right, look at that, got a clap. Come on now. Now we're talking. So there's a lot of things it might be for you, but find something that works and don't feel bad about it. If it's weird or different, who cares? That's your time. Go for it. Uh, Another one, and this is a big one, and I'll close with this. It's get over the merit-based reading posture. Just get over that. The idea that reading the Bible is doing God a favor, like, first of all, the Bible is not a pop-up book, right? It's not entertainment. It's ancient Near Eastern and ancient Mediterranean inspired literature. It really is not meant to entertain you First and foremost, I was a youth pastor for many years, and one of the temptations was to be like, Hey, kids, read the Bible. It's awesome. There's all kinds of cool stuff in it. There's wars and battles and demons and spells. And I don't know if there's spells, but there's all kinds of stuff in it. You're going to love it. And then they open up the Bible, and it's like, And Jesus was walking through a grain field with his disciples, and they plucked the grain with unwashed hands. And the Pharisee said, Why are your disciples eating with unwashed hands? It's like, okay, this is definitely not the miniseries that I clicked on, right? This is boring. Well, yeah, it's not meant for entertainment. It's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. And sometimes you got to break through that sound barrier friction of the boredom, of the monotony, of the foreignness of it, and you break through after wading into it for a while, and you go, oh, my word, this is amazing. And you sort of get it why people like Denise are, like, hopelessly lost in their scriptures. It's because... They pushed it through and they go, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. Okay, so get over the merit-based stuff and get over the shame stuff if you don't read. it's not God's not looking at you going, you're a naughty boy. You're a naughty girl. You didn't read the word today. Shame. Rather, I think it's more like he's enticing us to say, hey, come join me in this. Let's get into it. Okay, so I'm going to stop. Denise is going to come up and use that mic right there. Right, Bill? That mic right there because it's sanitized. Uh, And let me just... um, Let me just pray while Denise comes up here. And and thank you all for bearing with me on the list reading. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to again reflect on the riches, the treasure, uh, the embarrassment of riches we have in the word. We are wealthy people. And God, uh, help help me to just gently remind me how good it is when I'm feeling a little bit like, I don't know, lazy or distracted or just kind of putting silly things in front of important things that you would um, help me to lean in further to your word and not to earn points but just to be with you and to learn and to grow and get wisdom thank you jesus we love you in jesus name we pray amen take it away denise
5: thank you james are we inspired yeah thank you so much um one of the things we're committed to to committed to in the art of following jesus is giving you time in the service Just to think and grapple with some of the things that were taught and some of the things that you were moved by. So we want you to just take a minute and think about how you can apply this to your life. And that's why we've set up this idea, this silly idea, and I hope you've gotten to watch the video online, of taking a quick dip, which is just a baby step, listening to the podcast that we've provided online. Or to do a buoy swim, which would mean listening to the podcast and using the guide that's there. Or you can be a total stud, like we say, and do a peer-to-peer, which means swimming from one peer to another, and that would mean doing both of those and maybe something else, like James, going through the Gospel of Matthew and listing all the times Jesus refers to Scripture, or We have other references online you can use and begin and dive into. So take a minute right now and just think about how do you want to soak, like James said, deeper this week? How do you want to soak deeper into the Word of God? And we really would love for you to write it down because as we write things down, It's just one more step of embedding that in our life and being intentional. Another thing we really want to implement stronger in the services is prayer. So today we'd love uh, one woman and one man, if you could just volunteer, to stay in the back on the two rocks um, and just be available for people that want prayer today. Who would like to volunteer to pray with people? Raise your hand. I'm waiting for you. Okay, Debbie Jones, you can just go back there on one of the rocks. Let's see. Can we have a guy? Is that Dave Gepner? Thank you, Dave. So just as we take another moment to reflect and ask God about what it means to soak in his word, what it mean, how valuable is the word of God in our life, just spend some time with him. If you would like prayer, you can go to the back, and Debbie and Dave are happy to pray with you.
0: Your eyes, my soul rest in your embrace. For I am you and you
2: uh, are mine. Whoa.
1: Your grace abounds. Your grace abounds. our prayer this morning, that you would lead us, that you would guide us into the deeper truths of who you are and your goodness in our life. If you're able to, will you stand with us as we sing this this morning? Spirit, lead me where my trust is without border Together in Christ alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found.
0: He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What I
1: that is our prayer this morning, that here in the love of Christ I stand, that here in the goodness of God I stand. As one family, as one church family, Lord, we stand in this goodness this morning. So Lord, help us to come closer to you this week. May it be prayer, may it be reading the scripture, Lord, would you draw us into your love this morning and this week. We love your presence, we love you, Jesus. We thank you for being together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much for worshiping with us. We hope that you have a wonderful day. Get in your scripture. Use your brown notebook. We'll see you this week, if not this week on Sunday. Thanks for joining us on online. Bless you all. We'll see you next week.